Let them know. Let them know. Remix. Let them know. We let them know. We let them know. We let them know. Let them trip. Let them know. We let them know. We do the hash. Remix. show with the Pac-12 on the SB Nation Network. I am Johnny Pullman. I'm here with Jack Fullman. Together we are the Fullman and Pullman Show. Jack, how are you? Oh man, could it be better? Saturday night uh, podcast, you know, post-Heisman. That's a uh, different, different feel. That's right. We're recording this podcast on Saturday evening. The Heisman has just been announced. Baker Mayfield takes home the hardware. Uh, this afternoon, we had Army-Navy. Army is the owner of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy after beating Navy 14-13 in the 118th edition of the Army-Navy game. You know, Jack, between those two schools, they've got five natties and five Heisman winners combined. And Army won this year by throwing the ball once. That's just true America, man. That's hard work. So Army wins for the second straight year. This is the first time that Army's beat Navy in, in, in back-to-back seasons since 95-96. You know, Jack, I had an opportunity to attend this game in 2015. I think it's a bucket lister for any college football fan. I want to give a shout-out to Army defensive back and Special Forces officer Luke Prue and his brother Nate for those tickets. It's an honor to be included in the Bothell Blue Train family. Uh, goosebumps, chicken skin, goose pimples, whatever you want to call it, this game has it all. Uh, today, I think we may have had the best uniform combo ever on the field at the same time. It was pretty cool, you know, uh, and see the true military win, Army over Navy, you know. Better than the Air Force crap. <laughs> Navy, speaking of things that fly in the air, Navy wore the Blue Angel flight suits with custom airbrushed helmets. Those were insanely sick. Uh, and then Army went with the 10th Mountain Division unis, including a very apropos uh, skiing panda on the cleats. They were the panda uh, commandos, um, and it was snowing in Philly, uh, which made the Black Knights almost invisible. This was like Oregon-level trickery when they go with the all-green on the green field. You couldn't even see Army with the white on the snow. Uh, but what else did you expect from Army? You know, this is camouflage. This is, this is warfare. Well, fair or not, it was an awesome game. And, you know, when you graduate from Army or Navy, you've got to remain at under 22% body fat. So, obviously, that makes it difficult to recruit those big hog mollies to attend your school. Yeah, there was the rumor for a while that 
well, I don't know if it might have been true at one point that Air Force, you had to be able to like fit in the cockpit or something, fly a plane. I think my dad told me that, but I think that was made up uh, <laughs> or bad information because I don't think that was that that was true. Well, I, don't, I mean, for, for one way or another, they found a way for David Robinson to play at Navy and you know, I don't think he's fitting <laughs> in most cockpits. But, uh, you, you know, you've also got to be able to run a mile and a half in under 10 uh, minutes and 30 seconds. You know, that's not easy to do if you're north at 265. Be an athlete. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't. I don't think that you should be coming at the service members like that. I won't. No. No. I. Uh, this we we're we're a pro America podcast. That's I want to go on the record. It's pretty impressive that you know they're able to field teams now that are competitive every year. I mean, they're both bowl teams. I think you know, as a service academy, you'd have both of them. You know, that's pretty impressive. You know, it's not easy. That's right. This is a Saturday night podcast. So Jack, I want to I want to salute you with <laughs> with our Miller Lights here. We are saluting the troops. This is this is for you guys. Dilly dilly. Yeah. I mean, two service teams make bowls. Tennessee can't make a bowl, so, yeah, it's impressive. You never want to run into a, a service academy um, running the triple option. <laughs> no, no. Jack, this is the first time that we get to do one of our favorite segments on the show. This is Bro or Douchebag Heisman Edition. Uh, so Baker Mayfield brings home the Heisman Trophy uh, Billy Sims, who's an OU alum was and former Heisman winner himself, was on stage losing his mind when Baker Mayfield was announced. He was literally, <laughs> literally yelling "Dilly Dilly" on the stage. I got to think for these old guys when they go to the, you know, the Manhattan Club or the Midtown Heisman Club, what they're sitting in the back all day long just drinking scotch and whacking beers. No, I mean it's good to see it because there's kind of like that shift in generations of where the old guys were kind of like they were just ball players but like then you kind of cross more to the 90s you had guys who were like they just trained and were like serious athletes since they were like four so they're not as much fun but then you get those old dudes that are out of shape now they were just like dudes so like that they left their thing they live for every year they're they're a lot more fun you're saying that they were bros not douchebags they were, yeah. They were just, you know, roll the ball out in the backyard and play kind of, type of guys. So we'll see Baker Mayfield. Let me give you his bona fides. So he was charged with public intoxication. That's kind of a pro, pro move. Yeah, that, that's pro. You know, this year he got in some major trouble with the nut grabbing against Kansas. Uh, kind of a pro move, you know. The guy knows that he's under the spotlight. He's being filmed. Didn't really care. It felt like they took a, a cheap shot against him, and he was going to, you know, give him a handful of nuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Baker Mayfield, also a, a big half-shirt guy. I think that's kind of a bronafide. That's a bro move. Very 90s, yeah. Um, one of my favorite moves that he did this year was the, uh, <laughs> the flag planting at Ohio State in Columbus midfield. Bro move. Bro, yeah. Bronafide. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I want to shout out to uh, Travis Weiss, uh, owner of Chi-Town in uh, Austin, Texas. Lake Travis, uh, high school alum, uh, Baker Mayfield, would often dine at that restaurant with uh, Mark Calloway. Do you know who Mark Calloway is? No, no. He's the undertaker. <laughs> no. Yeah, they would share bacon-wrapped hot dogs. That's a bro move. That's not, tr- that's not true. That's 100% true. Baker Mayfield and the original Undertaker. Yeah, the there's real- only one. <laughs> Supposedly. Yeah. 
uh, the Undertaker would go eat at Chi Town Hot Dogs together. Yeah, in uh, yeah, at Lake Travis. Yes. Okay. Uh, bro, move. <laughs> Douchebag moves. Uh, you know he shit on Washington State uh, because he wanted to, because he said he wanted to play big boy football, but then he went went to Texas Tech in Lubbock. Like, come on, man! Like, Wazoo was one of the only places that offered him a scholarship. Uh, another douchebag move, in my opinion, the weeping on the podium yeah. after you know he got called out for for the, the nut grabbing. Like, come on, man! Like, if you're gonna be the villain, like embrace being the villain. True. Yeah. Uh, and then part of that too was when his teammates like carried out his jersey, like when he was stripped of being a captain of the last game. Like the man had just been like, you know, died in a fiery crash. Like no man, you're sitting for like a couple series. Like that's bit, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a terrible dancer. It's a douchebag dancer. You can YouTube that. Um, and then you know we gave him a bona fide move for being charged with public intoxication. But part of that charge was, um, from the police report, he had slurred speech and food covering the front of his shirt, <laughs> and in quotes, he was causing a scene. <laughs> That's kind of a douchebag move. No, it's not cool, yeah. Not cool, like, be able to handle your liquor. We're saying, definitely party, you know, which I think that you can do really well in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, there's not a whole lot else to do. You play ball and you party. Just don't be an asshole about it, and I think that Baker Mayfield tends to have more douchey behavior than bro behavior. Although, yeah, he, he's very douchey. The thing, he, the only thing that for me really sells on him is just having the right name for who you are as a quarterback to me at what program you are. That's just magic to me. Like Colt McCoy, Jeff Smoker, uh, like <laughs> Carson Palmer. Like you hear that name and you see the program and you're like, oh yeah, it makes perfect sense. You're not like a Chris Winkie. You're like, ugh, like... You know, yep. that makes a difference is like what you see as a player. Like, I love that when it's like a really good quarterback. Yep. You know it, you hear his name, yep. and you're like, you know what program, you're like, that all makes sense. Okay. That's well, a lot of, that gives me a lot of points for, for someone. You put a lot of bro points on the name Baker Mayfield being the quarterback for Oklahoma. Yes, exactly, yeah. You're going to say bro? I'll go bro, yeah. I'm going douche, just too many douchey things for Baker Mayfield certified douche but you know I'm going to leave it open ended he's still a young guy he's got a chance to prove himself and get back in the bro graces yeah we are the Pac-12 podcast so you know we've got to include our favorite quarterbacks out west bro versus douchebag Jack Josh Rosen UCLA quarterback Bronafides his nickname is Jay Chosen as in the chosen one uh was one of the best bro moments ever with the hot tub and then the random Arizona co-ed in the dorm room. Uh, and then also a bro move with triple kissing cheerleaders at the basketball game. Josh Rosen, kind of a huge bro. Agreed. Uh, he does have a few douchey moves that I think we need to, to, to state here. Uh, he once said that um, the NCAA should raise the SAT requirements in Alabama and then see what happens. Um, but, you know, and, and that football really dents his ability to see what classes he can take and that there were some classes that he wanted to take in the spring that he couldn't take because he was playing spring football. Now, I think that we need to all go back to that classic quote from Cardell uh, Jones. Uh, 
where he said that he didn't come to Ohio State to play school. <laughs> so I think Josh Rosen needs to remember that. True. Yeah. Those are kind of douchey statements they are, for yeah. a guy who's supposed to be a quarterback. Also, tennis prodigy. I, okay. <laughs> He's from Manhattan Beach. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's pro or anti. Big uh, beach volleyball city though, so I, I feel like that's that really watched the line. Yep. Okay. That's a douche. That's a douche move. He also wore a, a fuck Trump hat on Donald Trump's golf course. You know, regardless of where your stance is on politics, I, I think leave stay, stay stick to sports, Josh. Yeah, I mean, college football should be yeah, it's, it should be a place where you have a safe haven, man. A few douchey moves from Josh Rosen, but overall, the hot tub in the dorm room trumps everything, and the guy's a gunslinger. He's the UCLA quarterback. He's a bro. I'll, I'll go bro, too. Yeah. Uh, tennis prodigy thing, though, I'm a little bit shaky on, but he did quit, and he played football, and that was one of his, uh, I think, a rebuttal from him, which was a good point, that people are like, oh, he doesn't really like football, but he's like, if I didn't really like football, I would just go be, play tennis and make money and, you know... Wear yep. fucking white yep. short, short white shorts, yep. and hang out with Pete Sampras. <laughs> yep. But he didn't, so nope. that that'll get that'll push me over the edge for for Rosen. Two votes, bro, for Josh Rosen. Our other favorite Southern California quarterback, Sam Darnold. Uh, so Bronafides, he's definitely got like NFL quarterback hair, uh, and he doesn't use any product in his hair whatsoever. Just he said he just used water. <laughs> Uh, maybe some potential douchebag behavior. He's kind of been out there saying that he won't play for the Browns. I don't know, like kind of picking where you're going to play the next level, kind of douchey. As bad as the Browns are when you're a guy who fumbles like four times in a game, I don't think you have the, you have the power to, to say you won't play for someone who will pay you anything. He's kind of a boring dude, but, you know, being like one of the best quarterbacks in the country... On campus, Southern Cal. I think he hangs out with Matt Leinert, who's like an all-timer bro. Sam Darnold, dude bro. I'll go bro. There's not really many, like, there's not enough, other than being kind of boring, there's not really anything, like, flagrant about, about Darnold, other than he fumbles a lot and throws really boneheaded interception. But that's bro to me. That's like a Favre move. of Yeah, gunslinger. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he'll throw a dumbass pass to the end zone for no reason and then get picked and give a really dumb look to like to the sideline. Definitely a bro move. So, you've got these fellas, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Sam Donald, even a guy that finished second in the Heisman tonight, Lamar Jackson. These guys are going to be in the draft potentially all together next year. A hell of a class. Like, you're still kind of in the camp that Josh Rosen is is the top guy? Right now, right now it seems like Rosen. Um, I mean, you take that group, Baker Mayfield, small, you know, college-style quarterback, you know, those big Heisman, big program guys who sling it around who aren't that big, uh, don't pan out that much. Darnold, too many, like, one. I don't think Darnold's declaring anyways, but just too many turnovers. Lamar Jackson, I mean... Uh, doesn't have yeah actually we'll see fun, about Lamar Jackson he, he might be the best of the bunch I mean he easily could be but the prototype or he might be <laughs> terrible yeah, for guys who have to run a lot and run around a lot like unless you're like as big as like Cam even if you are Cam like are like it's just hard not to get hurt the, all the time like we love talking about the Mountain West on this show we love talking about the Big Sky what about Josh Allen from Wyoming. 
No clue. Like <laughs> I, I, Carson Wentz ended up being pretty damn good. I, I that's true, but like it's almost I like how I'm comparing Carson Wentz here. That's that's like a totally <laughs> different division of football. But if you're from Wyoming, North Dakota, Idaho, there, doesn't matter. It's yeah, all. no, it's. I to be honest, I'll admit I I don't think I've watched a single play of live uh, Josh Allen. I did look at the box score from the Oregon Wyoming game, and Oregon has a bad like not a good defense. Uh, especially at that point, and his box score, he was like something crazy, like five for like twenty four with for like eighty yards and like a pick. So like I don't know. We talked last week that Laramie, Wyoming, is the highest elevation of any D one football program in America. That's gotta help him, right? Can't hurt me. You know, that's a, if that's your indicator for good uh, NFL quarterbacks, I'd I'd have to go look and pull you know the the stats of. Of NFL quarterbacks to confirm or deny that, so I have no clue. Jack, end of season awards. It's that time of year. We're wearing our uh, tuxedos. You've got your black tie on. Step up to the podium. Your 2017 Pacific Takes Pac-12 Football Awards. Who is the least valuable player of the year? Well, speaking of tennis, uh, I'm going to former... I can't remember what he did. He was like some czar of women's tennis or something somewhere. Larry Scott, the uh, you know CEO, president of the Pac-12. Uh, Larry Scott's my least valuable player. Uh, Runner-up, uh, whoever keeps renewing Lane Clark's contract. Garbage. They, they improved officiating so much over the past few years, but Lane Clark is a fucking wart on the ass of Pac-12. <laughs> Pac-12. Let's go back to Larry Scott real quick. I mean... The Pac-12, you know, when he first came in, he was getting a lot of kudos for brokering these big TV deals, kind of putting the, you know, he added a couple of schools, and the conference kind of was 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 on a different pedestal. And I think Larry Scott got a lot of credit for that. But now you think differently. I, I did like early on, Larry Scott did a good job of getting the Pac-12 on ESPN, which was a big thing because the Pac-12 used to play on Fox Sports Net a lot with the, the camera quality Yikes. between those two was yeah. like so night and day. Uh, that was a big deal. That was that was good on him. You know, I don't really care about money and stuff like that. Supposedly he brought in money, but now when it's like this next step of you know getting the conference to be in the conversation with the SEC and Big Ten, uh, he's he's kind of faltering and he's kind of not defending the conference and he's not looking out for the conference in, in the right ways. Uh, you know and scheduling and then just stepping up when people ask him about things and like interviews and stuff like that offensive player of the year bryce love there's no really no question with that one finished third in the heisman um all timer season no i mean uh you can try to try to give me a comparison of someone you remember in the pac-12 where you're like handing the ball off and you're like any kind of offensive player, like, I don't know if anyone can stop this guy. Like, every play, it felt like you're like, okay, he can run a touchdown on this play. And that was just, like, it. You know, Bryce Love's uh, GPA was a 4-5, and his 40-yard dash was a 4-3. I dare you find guys that have a higher GPA than their 40 time. That's a good point, yeah. yeah. So you go with Bryce Love for Offensive Player of the Year, but who else was in consideration? There was some, you know, he had an all-time kind of season, but... There were some other uh, players that put up some big stats. You know, uh, Khalil Tate and, and Sam Darnold come to mind. Yeah, it was a weird year. Uh, going in, 
it seemed like there was a lot of quarterbacks who would be like, okay, there's like five quarterbacks who are going to be like Darnold, Rosen, Jake Browning, um, that you're like, these, uh, Luke Falk, you're like these guys are going to fight it out. And all of them kind of underwhelmed. Uh, I kind of stick Darnold at the top of that heap because he ended up winning, leading his team to the Pac-12 championship. So he gets kind of rise to the top of that heap. And then there's a lot of running backs who are not as good as Love, who had really great seasons in their own effect. Uh, you know, Gaff, Miles Gaskin at Washington, uh, Royce Freeman, Philip Lindsay at Colorado, Ronald Jones at USC. Like, you could make an argument for any one of those guys. Um, but the other guy you kind of like throw in there is Khalil Tate at Arizona, because he had a run there where he was like Love, too. You're like, this guy's unstoppable. Uh, until the last couple games of the season, so he was probably my my second choice. Defensive Player of the Year. You're going with Harrison Phillips. Harrison Phillips, the D tackle from Stanford. Yeah, I almost I went back and forth sometimes between him him and Vita Vea. I mean Hercules Madoff is right in that conversation, but I actually chose Phillips because. The North came down to Washington and Stanford in a game, and Phillips asserted himself a lot more than Vea did in that game. Uh, so I went with him, and he, his stats are incredible, even though I say Vea is more of a... We have a tendency in college football, or football in general, to get uh, excited about linemen who put up a lot of stats too, but sometimes a guy who just is a presence is actually more valuable, and I'd say Vea is kind of like that, but I'll, I'll stick with Phillips. Haloti Nata was, didn't put up a lot of stats. Exactly. The guys. Exactly. Yeah. That's that, Vea is like that. He's not like a stat monster, but you just watch every play, and he just like has to be double, triple teamed, and doesn't get blown up ever. Starlotulele. Starlotulele. <laughs> That's a good Polynesian accent. You did. <laughs> Special teams player of the year. There was really no argument here. You've got Dante Pettis who set the Pac-12. And the NCAA all-time record for point returns for touchdowns. Yeah, Pettis, uh, no, no argument with that. I think he had four. He took Pettibone. Pettibone, uh, throwback player. Uh, you know, uh, he I think he took four back this year. And not only that, you just watch games and uh, teams is reluctant, like were so reluctant to punt to him, or had to like always think about how they punted to him that like not even just taking a back made such a boost in like Washington's like field position game all year. This year he stopped wearing the old school bandana that was like tied in the back. I was a little disappointed in that. Yeah, you know, uh, he, he had an old school thing going on last year. I think I think he still had the braids. Uh, you know, good good story with the dad. Uh, his dad is I think the third base coach for for the Astros. So big, well, he's a former big, major league all star. Big year for the the the. The Pettis family. Chansey gets drafted by the Mariners, uh, just like uh, Tui Asasopo. <laughs> I can't remember if the, it was the Mariners who took Locker, too, or was that or was the Angels? It was the Angels, Angels yeah. took Locker, so uh, no. No chance. No chance, no. Freshman of the year, you go with the Stanford quarterback. Uh, yeah, uh, a weird, kind of a weird situation because Stanford lists... Pl- uh, all their players by academic year, so it's really confusing for no goddamn reason. So you always look at their roster and be like, shit, they're going to lose like all their starters because they're all listed as seniors, but you're like, oh no, they're just redshirt juniors. Because uh, he's listed as a sophomore, KJ Costello, but he's actually a redshirt freshman. Uh, yeah, he was, him emerging as their quarterback, he wasn't an outstanding quarterback, but him emerging as a good quarterback was the difference between Stanford, you know, 
not just winning the North, but also a lot of more hope in that program because they were really struggling without a quarterback. Seems like he came up big late in the season against a Washington and a Notre Dame. Had a, a great game hanging in there against SC in the Pac-12 championship. He did, yeah. I mean, he came of age, and that was huge for Stanford. Coach of the year. This is kind of a difficult one because we had kind of a log jam. It's the hardest one I can ever remember because it's a lot of guys you can make a case for, but then you could make a really good case against them because um, you had like uh, Clay Helton, David Shaw, Mike Leach, Rich Rich Rod. Um, I throw Justin uh, Justin Wilcox in there. Uh, Willie Taggart didn't have a bad Willie year. Willie Taggart, like yeah, he brought Oregon back to a bowl game and a pretty good year fighting through injuries. But all of them, you're like, well. They also have a major case against them. So I, I, I'll i go Clay Hilton. In a logjam like that, his team won the Pac-12 championship. Uh, so that's just who you have to go with. Speaking of that, I think that that Pac-12 championship is probably the game of the year. The game of the year, yeah, you know. It uh, wasn't a great year for, like, one-off games as much as you've seen in the Pac-12. There was, like, was it like a few years ago where, like, every Saturday you're like, oh, we have, like, a triple overtime game or something between, like, Arizona and Cal or like that. But, that, I mean, it's good because it was a game that meant something and, you know, two good teams, not just two teams putting up 90 points on each other because their defenses suck. A player in that game who ended up finishing third in the Heisman, is it safe to say that the biggest surprise this year was Bryce Love being absolutely unstoppable? Um, no question. I mean, I going in, I think most people were like, like they got a good running back, you know, Stanford system. He was good when he came in from McCaffrey last year, but I, I don't think anyone saw him being the kind of unstoppable player, player that he was. An honorable mention on the award front, you know, Luke Falk did top Baker Mayfield for the Burlesworth Award, which is the best walk-on, best player who started their career as a walk-on. You know, people forget that Falk ended up walking on at Washington State. He chose the Cougs over uh, Cornell. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting factoid, you know. Uh, Luke Falk, very, very confusing career, uh, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, which was fittingly, I believe, bef- the week before the Apple Cup of, is Luke Falk good? Uh, only Mystery only deepened by his uh, Apple Cup performance. So I, I don't know. Jack, I think we've got to talk again about the coaching carousel. We'll be here until it ceases to be interesting, but it keeps on going. Herm Edwards was announced uh, as the Arizona State head coach and had his first press conference. I want to run through some quotes just because this is the most bizarre situation, and we are so happy to have Herm in the conference because these sound bites are incredibly entertaining. So Herm said that he has no doubt that he will put a lot of points up in the scoreboard of life. I'm looking forward to no that. No clue what that means. He said that football ignites my soul. Again, no idea what that means. He said we don't huddle anymore in our society, and that's the problem with it, to be honest. <laughs> I, we don't huddle a lot in football, too. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, Herm thinks that we need to get together more as, as people in America. No, people get together and they just fight. That's a problem. I think we're, we're on the internet. We're getting two together. People were better when they weren't talking to each other. Um, I think that we need to also break the news to Herm that Arizona State's mascot is the Sun Devils. <laughs> uh, when he was asked, 
he was asked a question from a, a writer for from uh, a blog called The Devils, and Herm said that he's uh, a Catholic and a Christian, and to watch out for them devils. <laughs> so I, I think that Herm, you know, Herm went to Cal. Um, I don't know if he ever played Arizona State as a, as a in college, but um, someone's gonna have to break the news to him that he's coaching the team called the Sun Devils. Yeah, not a good thing in my opinion at this days in college these days in college football if you're unsure if your coach was played in the pack eight or the pack ten not great um edwards was introduced to um compression jerseys um they presented him a jersey with uh, with you know his name on it as you would do with a new coach and he was very confused and actually asked if it was a girl's jersey and they told him that it was a game jersey, and he just really couldn't believe it. I just have no I, I I get what they're doing with the assistants kind of running the show, and he's just like a, a president or a CEO, basically. But I just know – I don't have a vision in my brain of seeing this work in any way. It's funny you said that because he actually used the term CEO in the, in the press conference. He said, quote, this is where you have to learn how to delegate. That's what a good CEO does. So, yeah, this is a totally unique situation. Yeah, I don't really know what a good CEO is either. So, <laughs> I, I... hey, why not? <laughs> More coaching moves in the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon replaces the departing Willie Taggart, who heads to Tallahassee with the interim coach Mario Cristobal. I believe Cristobal has been officially. Has he been officially? Announced as like the he's next. officially the coach. Yeah, I. They didn't look far, so Oregon players actually signed a petition for him to stay on as the head coach. Um, they've got a top ten recruiting class, and he's kind of that's kind of his mo. He's a big recruiter, so they think that he'll be able to keep a lot of those recruits. I mean, boy, his career record something like twenty seven and like forty seven. He's like, twenty seven and forty seven as the head coach. He was at Florida Atlantic, uh, Florida International. Um, the dude wore a tie while he was the head coach at, at Florida <laughs> International. Yeah, uh, I met, Florida International to me sticks out as a program that you would try to make a college football dynasty at at the NCAA football game because they're always like the last team. You're like, hey, I want a challenge, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll be the coach of Florida International. But yeah. I'm sure as hell I would think you'd be better than 27 and 47. Um, interesting choice. He was fu- he was fired. Yeah. And now he's the head coach of Oregon. He's getting paid $2.5 million a year. And that is his, like, that's his, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, resume. Like, that's astounding. I would have been a bigger fan of this hire if the national championship was still the crystal ball. This, that's, his name is Chris, Crystal Ball. The whole thing is weird. Like Very underrated trophy, by the way. And if you're ranking is, yeah. trophies in sports, I think that there's no question the Stanley Cup is number one. But number two for me was that crystal football. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of the NBA, the NBA trophy. I think that's the Larry one. O'Brien trophy. Larry O'Brien. Here's where the Larry O'Brien trophy isn't even in the same universe as the Stanley Cup. You can't drink beer out of it. True. Uh, nothing. Nothing tops a Stanley Cup or Olympic gold medal, but Olympic gold medal. I, there's a lot of things I'd put over an Olympic gold medal. Like, what about the claret jug that you get for winning the British Open? 
I'm not talking, not talking golf here, man. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't give a crap about fucking guys in khakis fucking farting around at the goddamn <laughs> golf course. Crystal Ball says that he sleep. He can get by with sleeping 37 to 38 minutes a night. <laughs> As I said, bizarre, like... Was as Chris was like a very Italian name, but he's a, a straight up Miami dude going to coach Oregon. Florida a, a, almost doubled his losses at Florida International to be one. Admitted that's a very tough job, uh, though I think they're good right now. And Lane Kiffin's killing it at basically the same school. Uh, we all know Lane's track record in the Pac-12. Uh, yeah, and I guess trying to salvage a recruiting class like and. If you look at that class, it's a lot of guys from Florida, which, like, I don't trust guys who are going to leave the Dirty South to come up uh, to the West Coast. Dirty. Don't, don't like them. Uh, just as I'm not a fan of guys from the West Coast who go, who go play uh, across the country. So uh, Ma- Mario said that he talked to a bunch of his friends, and he name-dropped Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and says that he shares a little DNA with those guys. It's, that sounds creepy. That sounds like a crime scene. I don't want to be sharing any DNA with any fellas. Yeah, going back to the name, it kind of sounds like could be like, uh, you know, like a, a Miami Vice character, uh, like a drug lord or something. But, you know, it's it's a hire. Well, college football sports, you never know what's going to work and what's not going to work sometimes. I mean, a lot of times stuff that seems crazy or just seems like... Well, that's know, why we're hoping for the Herm Edwards thing to work that, out really, really well. So, this might be, he might be, you know, the second coming and... He'll be great. So you just never, you never know. Jack, I've got a question. So Greg Schiano was run out of Knoxville by protesters because he coached under Jerry Sandusky. He was part of that Penn State program. Well, Cristobal was on the staff under Greg Schiano at Rutgers. So I ask you, where are the protesters in Eugene? Well, here's the thing. Well, Jim Levitt, who was Colorado's defensive coordinator last year, turned around Colorado's defense. Landed at Oregon. Dude, he got fired from South Florida for, was like, choking or punching a kid. Like, it never gets brought up. Like, yes. it's very bizarre. And they were like, Oregon wanted to hire him. I was like, Oregon's the only program where, like, that would not be a con. Like, for some reason, he's, like, and he has a very, if you want a good Twitter follow, go to Lev- Jim Levitt's Twitter follow. Because his profile picture is a very pixelated picture of his wife and kid. <laughs> Jim Levitt, it's not like, to be not to be confused with Jim Leritz, the former no. uh uh, New York Yankee. And all he posts about, uh, half of his posts are about how good Pepsi is. <laughs> Dead serious. It's like, woke up, had a great ice cold Pepsi, like, good birthday, like, got a cake and ice cold Pepsi. It's, like, really weird. We're going to find a way to call Jim Levitt next week on the I, podcast. I like Jim Levitt. I, I, I like Jim Levitt. He, we're going to see what he's up to. But, uh, underrated, uh, sneaky thing that he, ne- like, it never comes up that he had a very sketchy outs. Because he was, like... Historically, he like he was South Florida. He made that program, and he got fired like on a random like Tuesday in April or something. Speaking of coaches randomly getting fired, Crystal Ball was fired as the FIU coach after five seasons, as Jack mentioned, twenty-seven and forty-seven. He was one and one in bowl games. He did win the Little Caesars Pizza Bowl, <laughs> but he lost the Beefo Brady's Bowl. Uh, so right now we're going to go into our Beef O'Brady's. Restaurant reviews. <laughs> okay. So we're going to do um, some reviews, either restaurant reviews or product reviews for some of our favorite bowl <laughs> sponsors. As we mentioned, Beefo Brady's Bowl. Um, let me give you a review. This is from Rick L. of Thornton, Colorado. <laughs> 
uh, reviewing the Beefo Brady's in um, <laughs> Andalusia, Alabama. He says, I like meat. They serve it here. I can have a lot of it, and it's good. They also serve things I don't like, and I don't eat those. <laughs> Ham's good. Ham's better with pineapple. That was from Rick. I support that. Jennifer N. of Lillington, North Carolina, says that this beef O'Brady's was awful from start to finish. From the start, our experience was awful. Out of almost every drink we tried to order, um, nothing had caffeine in it. <laughs> Waitresses didn't seem to know that the menu very well. And then when we finally got our food, the four of us had fries with our orders that were cold and old. That's not, that's never, that's always a bum rap, you know? When uh, the waitress asked if I wanted fresh fries, I said, should that even be a question? <laughs> the only thing that made this meal enjoyable was when it ended. <laughs> uh, now, I've never been to a Beef O'Brady's, Jack, have you? I Honestly, I could still not tell you exactly what it is. I thought it was a roast beef restaurant. restaurant. Um, this is... Uh, Miss Massey, who restores my faith in humanity and makes me really want to try a Beef O'Brady's. And I feel like that I am pro-Beef O'Brady's, despite the, the poor review from Jennifer L. from Linning, Lillington, North Carolina. Listen to this review. Beef's is a favorite for everyone. She says, we eat at Beef's at least once a month. They have a huge variety of food to choose from. And I love the sliders. I love sliders. Okay. TVs at every table. TVs at every table and beer on tap. This sounds like a perfect restaurant. That does sound great. I mean, it definitely falls in line of the Black Bear Diners of the world of like, they're on like sports, like commercials, like, what the fuck is Black Bear Diner? I was against Beefo Brady's at the beginning of this podcast. I've come full circle just looking up these reviews. I am 100% on board with Beef O'Brady's, and I can't wait to have my first experience. Are you? Have you ever been to a Black Bear Diner, though? I have, but I don't You've think... You've been to a Black Bear Diner? Yeah, one time, yes. Where? Because I, I called it out once on Twitter, and Utah fans uh, had opinions. I think it was Redding, California. Uh, that sounds like a place of a Black Bear Diner. Yeah, it was a good experience, but it, it wasn't a place where you'd want to go and watch a game. True, yeah. Good point. Yeah, very much a, a, a... Hungover breakfast? Yeah, a short stack of pancakes and, a, you know, some fried eggs. Yeah, okay. It's great. <laughs> so we'll leave you guys with the one bowl preview of the Pac-12 team that's going to be competing this week. It's the Las Vegas Bowl or the LeGarrette Blunt Punch Bowl, Oregon versus Boise State. Boise State's ranked 25th, but the Ducks are favored by 7.5 points. Jack, how do you think this one's going to go? That seems like a lot of points uh, for the Ducks. I'm thinking Ducks big. They have a ton to prove. Cristobal will be out to like you know prove himself in that first game. They're scary with Justin Herbert. They definitely if they a bear hair bear a bear. He's Cajun. They're okay. <laughs> We're starting that on this podcast, and and we are the the first and foremost um, a bear supporters. Yeah, they they would have be, been a better bowl game if he would have been healthy all year. Uh, they, th- this is a bigger bowl game to, to them than for Boise State. I feel like Boise State, like the Las Vegas Bowl, is always like the like disappointment bowl for them. And I don't think they're that good of a Boise State team this year. So I would be. I expect Oregon to win by at least a couple of scores. They don't have their coach. 
True, but as I said, they got Cristobal, who's out to prove a lot. Like, yeah, if they go out and they get skunked in Las Vegas Bowl in this first game, they're going to be like, "Oh shit, we just hired a losing coach from Florida International," <laughs> which could very well be the case. <laughs> we'll have to see how it goes. Tune in, place your bets, make sure that you you know you've heard it here first. We're going to make you a lot of money, guys. Take Oregon with the points in the Las Vegas Bowl. We'll be here all month previewing bowl games. We had an amazing time with this end-of-season wrap-up and your awards, the inaugural bro versus douchebag debate. And uh, please give us a follow at Pacific Takes on Twitter. I'm at Johnny Pullman. At Jack Pullman. (laughs) Uh, Leave us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We'll be sure to work it into the podcast. We'll see you next week. Oh, hello, I 
Why you kicking? No. This what it said to me. I did the hazard from a distance. Oh, no. This can't be your religion. Oh, no. Look, mama, is you tripping? I'ma have to use a glove when we feel like OJ Simpson. I'm not high. Girl, straight to the house. 